0: Each of my three parish assignments as a priest has been a great fit for different reasons. My very first assignment was the same place that I did an internship year as a seminarian. So there is no better way to start off as a brand new priest than in a place where you already know and love the people and the people already know and love you. It was a great fit. My second parish assignment was in Sandusky and I've been obsessed all of my life with Cedar Point, and it was an exactly four, four minute and 50 second drive from my rectory to the beginning of the causeway, and I could go over for like lunch and two rides and be back and no one knew I was gone. Was great <laughs> fit. And then now I'm back in my hometown, Bowling Green, and this too is a great fit because nothing begins before 10 a.m. in this parish. And I'm here for it. I hate mornings. I'll do it if I have to. I have that level of discipline, but I don't quite have the level of discipline where I'm happy about it or where where I'm good at it. So my first parish assignment, we had confessions on Monday morning at like 6 or 6.30 a.m. I don't even know. You could have confessed genocide, three Hail Marys, have a nice day. I didn't know what was going on. I do it if I have to, but I'm not a morning person. Both of my pastors in those two assignments, though, were morning people. The first guy was a former Navy man, and so he was on a regimented schedule, and he was up before the sun. He was in bed when the sun went down, and everything in its purpose or in its place My second pastor, or in my second assignment, uh, he had a dog. So whether he wanted to be up or not, he was up at 5 a.m. taking the dog for a walk. But he was kind of a morning person anyway. And he was also just a very happy person. And the only thing worse than a morning person is a happy morning person. (laughs) If you've met one like that, and you're not a morning person like me. So I would stumble out of my room Um, exactly 30 minutes before I had to be wherever I had to be for the first thing that day. And he and his dog would be there to greet me. Good morning, how are you? It's good to see you. It's a great day. The hatred (laughs) at that moment for that man and his little dog too. (laughs) Now, I didn't really hate this priest. Actually, we got along very well. He taught me a lot, Um, we were friends, but in that moment, hatred. I I can't give it any other name. And maybe you've had that experience as well, maybe you're not a morning person. A retired teacher came up to me after mass last night and said, I had a sign on my desk for 40 years that said, do not say good morning. My students knew. So maybe you're not a morning person, you've had that experience. But we've all had something where we experience this like intense moment even of hate or disgust because of someone else's goodness. Listen, this priest didn't do anything wrong by being happy to be alive and awake. I'll admit this was my problem. And maybe you've been there as well. If you are single and it seems like you've been forever single, then there's nothing that you hate more than someone in a happy relationship. Just for that moment, you might actually be friends with that person. But when you're feeling particularly single, and they're looking particularly happy, and their little dog, too, (laughs) or When you are struggling to figure out what you're supposed to do with your life, what you're supposed to major in, what you're gonna do after you graduate, if you're supposed to be married, and you encounter someone that seems to have all that figured out, the hatred in that moment, there's just sort of a rush of disgust. And friends, that Is exactly what the book of wisdom is talking about today. From the first reading, the wicked say, Let us beset the just one because he is obnoxious to us. He sets himself against our doings. The wicked say, Because of my own evil, I can't even deal with this person's goodness. Because of my darkness, I find this light obnoxious, revolting. I have this rush of anger or hatred. And so the book of wisdom says, people in those circumstances they say, let us beset the just one. Let's tear him apart. Let's ruin his life. With revilement and torture, let us put the just one to the test. There's no other word to describe that than a rush of hatred. So the book of wisdom is telling us a spiritual truth, that when we are wrapped up in sin, we come to hate what is holy. When we are enveloped in darkness, we come to hate the light. Maybe you've had that experience, right? You're in a movie theater for a couple hours, and you come out of the matinee into the bright afternoon sun, and there's nothing better than a sunny day, right? Sunny day puts people in a good mood. But in that moment, coming out of the darkness, because your eyes have gotten used to the darkness, you experience the goodness of that sunny day as something painful, as something harsh. And the first reaction is to go back into the darkness. To close your eyes. To keep out the light. So too, in our moral lives, when we know that we're not living the kind of life we ought to be living, when we find ourselves tangled up in a web of lies, or chained down by our acts of lust, or distracted to a fault by greed and ambition, when we know just how much we're lacking kindness, when we ought to be charitable with others, when we're wrapped up in our selfishness, with our time, our energy, our attention, then goodness becomes something that we hate, that we find obnoxious. And so caught up in our web of lies, we can't stand a person who always tells the truth. When we're in a toxic relationship that is leading us bad places, we hate the people who are trying to do it the holy way. We find them annoying. It doesn't even have to be a corresponding sin. When we're wrapped up in any kind of darkness, anything, that brings us light, our first reaction is to draw back. To go deeper into the darkness, to close our eyes. But the key that we all know is if you just keep your eyes open and stay in the sun, your eyes will adjust. If you push through that moment of pain and harshness, then what at one moment seems annoying then becomes the cause of your joy and happiness. The book of wisdom gives us this example today so that we might be aware of this dynamic in our lives. When we find ourselves no longer interested in things that are good and holy, when we just can't stand to pray, when we really don't want to go to church, and not just because it's long and the sermons are boring, but because you just have a repulsion to it, in a way. When you no longer find joy and happiness in the kind of things that should give someone joy and happiness, the wisdom of the scripture says, look in your life for the darkness. It's hiding there somewhere. And precisely there is where you need the light of Christ. Exactly where you don't want the light to shine is where you need it the most. And so the scripture offers you encouragement and motivation to push through that moment of resistance that first reaction of pain or annoyance and to persevere in drawing close to what is good and true and holy because then your spiritual eyes will adjust and the things that you found distasteful will indeed be the source of your joy. It's another great analogy, this taste idea. Because we're fallen, we no longer have a taste for what is good and holy. We have to develop that taste. We have to work on it. Our fallen nature is very ready to settle for cold chicken nuggets when the Lord is offering us filet mignon. But someone who is accustomed to cold chicken nuggets doesn't want to try the filet. They don't have a taste for it. And they need someone in their life to prompt them, even prod them, to encourage them. Just take one bite. You might like it. Try one bite more. That's why the Lord has given us the gift of the church, the gift of these people who are around you, why we're called to live our faith in community. Because we need those people who will prod us, who will hold up the light, when we're running away towards the darkness, who will say about things that are good and holy, just try one bite, who will help us develop a taste for who we were meant to be. This is important for us to know about ourselves so that we can recognize that something's going on in our life when we're turning away from faith, when we're turning away from friendships, when we're recoiling from the things that are good, that should set us on guard. Where's the darkness? And to allow the light of Christ to shine there. But it should also affect the way we deal with the ones we love. When you have someone you love, Who's in that terrible relationship? Where it's falling away from what is true and good? When you have someone who seems to be making wrong decision after wrong decision, and you can't figure out what's going on? Where is the darkness that needs Christ's healing light? And might you be the one to shine that light, to poke them, to prod them? This happy little man and his dog were a gift that showed me my disorder. That's what St. James is talking about today. Jealousy and selfish ambition, where they exist... There is disorder in every foul practice, inconstancy, insincerity. Where do the wars, where do the conflicts among you come from? They come from within yourselves. Is it not from your passions that make war within you? Because you're made for the light. And yet, in some ways, we all prefer the darkness. Darkness. The Lord is calling us towards his light. He shines it especially brightly in that confessional. Every day and twice on Wednesdays. The Lord Jesus has made you for the light. So come out of the darkness. Whatever that is in whatever corner of your mind or heart. And take courage to be the one to invite, to motivate, even to poke and to prod the ones you love. The wicked say, let us beset the just one, because he is obnoxious to us. We do not want to be those counted among the wicked, but those counted among the saints. So let's allow the Lord Jesus to shine his light into our hearts so that we might lead the kind of life he created us for, the kind of life that we really long for. And what at one time stuck in sin we find to be painful, or harsh, or annoying, may indeed become the source of fulfillment and joy.